1: 855- Five six one six one six twenty. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. An eclectic program for a Friday. Some serious topics, some fun topics, and some bizarre topics. First of all, if you are looking for something to do tonight and you want to have a nice fish fry and you'd also like to couple that with you know doing some good for a charity Join me. Um, I, I've, I've been talking about this for several weeks. I've had some of the principals on the Lymphoma and Leukemia Society. It's actually Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It's been, they're, they're involved in a series of fundraisers, which some of my family members have been involved with as well. But it, it's an area wide thing. Uh, tonight, if you happen to be out in Sussex, I invite you to join me. The Fairways of Woodside, which is one of the golf courses they have out there, it's a uh, fish fry for a cause and a lot of people are coming out. If you uh have a fish fry, the 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 restaurant donates uh, a percentage of every meal and the proceeds they get to the cause. You can also, uh, if you make a, I think it's a $50 donation to the cause, you get a free round. You get a round of golf they'll they'll give you. Um, I know there's going to be raffles and things like that. Um, It is 5 until 9 o'clock this evening. Fairways of Woodside in Sussex. If you happen to be out there, please stop off and say hello. I'll be there. My wife Fran will be there. We're going to have a lot of fun. Again, it's for a very good cause. Portion of the proceeds go to the Le- Le- Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, all part of a big fundraising effort that's going on over the course of the last next couple of weeks. All right. Let us get started. Polygamy is the practice of having more than one spouse. Typically, it is a guy who has multiple wives, but it, it can go the other way as well. Now, it, it's, it's related to bigamy. Bigamy is, is a crime, and bigamy um, is a legal term which is defined as marrying somebody else while being legally married to another person. So that, that's the idea. Polygamy is the practice of having multiple spouses. I bring this up. Why is Wagner starting the show with a conversation about polygamy? Well, because in Utah, the Republican controlled state senate unanimously passed a bill earlier this week, which would decriminalize, decriminalize polygamy. And it would also decriminalize, it would reclassify bigamy as, uh, again, an infraction only in certain cases. So in other words, if you wanted to marry multiple people at the same time, you would not be guilty of a crime unless – Unless you married under false pretenses. So, for example, if your second wife, for example, didn't know that you had a first wife, that would still be a crime. If coercion is involved, um, it would still be a crime. But in general, if you had a relationship where, okay, wife one, or husband number one, but, you know, I'm a guy, so let's use that perspective. Wife one knows that there's going to be a wife two, and wife two knows that there's wife one, and everybody just decides they want to be one big, happy, multiple spouse family. As long as everybody knows and everybody consents, it would not be a crime. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. All right, the argument is, and like I say, this was unanimously passed by the State Senate, unanimously it goes over to the state assembly and it is probably going to be passed. The the just the justification is it gives some certainty to otherwise law abiding consenting adults who choose to practice polygamy. All right, that's the argument. And they say, okay, well part of this is if you do this it, it might reduce human trafficking. So that's that's what we have to do. We got a problem with human trafficking, so we should allow people to have multiple spouses, as long as everybody has signed on and knows about it. 855-616-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. And again, part of the argument is also, well, you know, if you've got consenting adults, why should we care how many spouses you have as long as everybody is consenting? 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I think this is one of the damn craziest ideas I have ever heard. But but, I am willing to discuss. Is this something in an effort to try to recognize that people should be able to make their own choices? Is this something that we should be looking at doing either in Utah or maybe in Wisconsin? If you, If everybody signed up. Should you be able to have multiple spouses at the same time? Good idea, bad idea. I think it's crazy, but I am willing to discuss. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, Gru, who is getting married this fall. Well, hey, you know what? You suggest to Mrs. Grew, hey, you know, wh- why don't we? But we can save money on the ceremony. We can get a third wife involved, another person involved here. Maybe they can contribute to it as well. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I just throw that out there. All right. Polygamy. If everybody is on board, why should anybody else care? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. According to a Gallup poll, acceptance of polygamy, having more than one spouse, appears to be increasing. In 2018, 18% of Americans believed marrying more than one person was morally acceptable. In 2003, only 7% of those asked took the same stance. The state of Utah is on the verge of decriminalizing Polygamy, bigamy, which is the the legal term for having more than one wife, um, it it would still be a crime, but only, only if it was done with an element of deception or coercion to it. But if, uh, again, if if three people decided we're going to all get married, that would not be a crime. All right. From a societal perspective, is that a good idea? I'm sorry. I just think Look, and I understand we can define marriage however we want, and I understand that we live in this age where, hey, you know, what people want to do, why should anybody else care about it? But from the perspective of societal standards, um, having more than one spouse at the same time, I think, does nothing to promote society. All right, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and uh, Texts. All right. Um, Let's see. Our text line is just absolutely exploding here. Um, Baloney, one man, 20 women, um, 100 children. All right. Who's going to end up paying for them? Um, All right. Um, You know, there you go. Um, Jeff, I see nothing wrong with polygamy among consenting adults. Why would that be so bad? Well, okay. my answer would be you've got marriage and, and marriage is traditionally and it has always been defined as you know a relationship a legal relationship between two in this case consenting adults i don't want to get into the whole idea of of gay marriage but but it's never been thought of to include people beyond you know again uh, the two spouses i don't think it's good for society to now simply say okay well you can marry however many people you want um, all right, Jeff. Speaking as a wife, I can tell you that we are a lot of work. If a man chooses to have more than one wife, isn't that punishment enough? Laugh out loud. But seriously, why should this be a criminal offense? If somebody chooses to love more than one person, I think it's okay with me. Well, all right. I'm, I'm not saying you can't love more than one person, but do we really, do we really think it's it's in the interest of society to be able to say we're going to adjust? marriage to say you can marriage whoever you know you can marry whoever you want 855-616-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line Jeff I have no problem with this why should people care Jeff another text hey why not what's wrong with this well I guess I would argue that what's wrong with this is that there's a reason why you have marriage and marriage is to promote the, the family structure and again that's that's two partners without regard to the the gender, all right, but you know, by making it a third partner and by inviting that in, are you really going to be doing anything to contribute to society? And my answer would be um no. Jeff, I was watching a news program many years ago about this. There were multiple wives and many children. The wives were all collecting welfare, as were the children. Well, I mean, I think there's probably an element to that. Jeff, multiple spouses. Remember the young girls in cults who may be forced to say they agree. Their only hope may be running away and getting help because the current way it's against the law. Um, and again, under this if you were forced into marriage, it would still end up being a crime. But why? Why do you think that there is a positive? Here's tech, Jeff. Why do my traditions have to fall in line with yours? All right. So I would say, uh, more than half of the texts that I'm getting from people who are listening right now are saying, "Well, what's the big deal?" Alright, just, just so you don't think it's a good idea to have two wives or three wives or five wives or ten wives, you know, why should you tell other people that they can't? 855-616-1620, that's the Accanet Mortgage talk and text line. Alright, is this where we are in society now? Is this really a positive where we would go out and say, alright, do, do what you want? As long as everybody is on board with this, what's the downside to be able to love as many people as you want. Huh. Um, Jeff, there's a series on Showtime right now called Polygamy. Jeff, it's Mormon tradition and culture. Well, it might be tradition. The Mormon Church, I think, recognized a number of years ago that this was not a positive, and they have outlawed this as well. Alright, Jeff, you keep saying it's a bad thing because traditionally it's two people. What's bad about three people? Alright, so, I mean, what, what's bad about five people? What's bad about ten people? If you want to have communal marriages, I mean, is there any downside to this? My argument would be, yes, yes, there, there is. Now, if you want to, again, live in a giant commune and you want to, your relationship is open and, you know, you want to have I don't know, uh, various people that you want to call wives, that's fine. I just don't think it is the in the interest of government or society to sanction it. And candidly, I, I wonder if we've gone through the looking glass on this, that people don't think there's anything wrong with it. Let's start with Peter on the south side. Peter, you're first. Good afternoon.
2: Yeah, hey, I just told you, Screener, you know, I, it's their choice if they want to do it. I'm having enough trouble juggling my wife by, <laughs> by herself. Yeah, but the problem is, is what happens when the husband is paying attention to the other wife more than the other one? It's going to come down to domestic violence and or murder, and one's going to be dead and the other one's going to be in jail. Well, I, I don't see any
1: good on this. I well, I mean, th- thanks for that. That's always, I mean, you know, what 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 was it? Wasn't that the TV show? Was it like Sister Wives or something like that? I mean, didn't didn't you see that, Jeff? Sp- Okay, Melissa Barclay just came in and just started laughing out loud. All right no, no you don't understand Melissa, what's going on here. This Utah is is ready to decriminalize polygamy. I would say 65% of the texts I'm getting, I'm getting a lot are people saying, well, what's the big deal? If you want to have multiple spouses, why should anybody care?
3: Well, there was another show also, I believe, on HBO. It was a series called Big Love, and that had to do with polygamy as well. When you said sister wives, I just, I thought that was funny.
1: I uh, got it. it. Okay. That, yeah. well, okay. Would you want more than one husband?
3: Uh, no, I'm enough to handle <laughs> well, that's right. Jeff. I mean, I, I just don't think that would work. And, you know, I, 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 one is enough, well, right? I,
1: exactly. You, it was, and some people would say one is more than enough, much <laughs> Definitely. less. A- absolutely. And, and again, I'm not, it, it's, you know, the same thing would be true with husbands. Jeff, what's the difference? Here's the text. What's the difference between uh, polygamy and a married man having a mistress or two? Well, I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is that in the one case, it's it's government sanctioned. Here, you know, ha- have, you know, let let's. Let's decide that that's what the family structure is going to be. Um, Jeff, what about taxes? Married filing jointly and jointly. And jointly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that would kind of be it. Jeff, I would love to have a second mom to do household chores and pick up the kids from soccer. One mom could be a stay-at-home mom, and the other mom could be the working mom. The kids wouldn't have to be put in daycare to be raised by strangers.
3: Can you imagine the drama between the ladies and the man? I just, I, I just think about that in my head, and that's not something that i would ever want well the, no the drama and, and let,
1: well right he's it, yours
3: tonight no he's yours tomorrow like it just ugh. i
1: okay <laughs> I, again I, I i don't want to offend people but this is nuts i mean it's, at some point can't we just say this this is nuts it's just flat out nuts to want to have multiple spouses, and it's equally nuts to have the, the state sanction it. The whole idea between marriage is marriage is between, you know, two people. Now, I, I you know, if, if you want to live with three or four or five people and some just, you know, happy commune or whatever, okay, I, I guess you can do that as long as everybody consents to it. But whatever that is, it's not marriage. It's just not, you know, marriage. Uh Jeff, what about women having multiple husbands? Does it go both ways? Yeah, I, right. First of all, I, I don't want to be what do they call it, Melissa they call it like thruples. Isn't that what it's called? You okay. know, where you have
3: a threesome or something?
1: Well, right, where it's it's like I think the I think the phrase it's is thruple is thruple, I I think. And I I I never thought I would be saying that on my I radio show. But I think that's what down. it is. I, I think it's like where you have and yes this would be if you had a, a woman that wanted to have multiple husbands and they all were were okay with that that would be okay as as well um uh. Um, (laughs) it's an
3: interesting topic, though.
1: Well, it's just it's just this idea that, well, you can do whatever you want. And 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 why should we care about this? And as long as it doesn't affect other people. But but the truth of the matter is it, it does affect other people. First of all, I just don't think it's healthy, period. And to me, it's just a a recipe for societal disaster. And if that makes me a dinosaur, fine. But I, I don't think we're ready to essentially decriminalize bigamy in this state. I don't think we're ready to do it in this country. To me, it is a fringe sort of thing. And why do you cater to the fringe? And yet that is precisely what's going on. And then again, why in the world would you want more than one spouse? I just sit that out there who wants more than
3: one spouse imagine Valentine's Day you'd have to buy (laughs) you'd be spending lots of money
1: well, you 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 would and then you'd have to make sure that everybody got, got the, the same, same thing. thing. What was the show? There what there, what was the show on? It was like on Showtime or HBO a number of years that's, ago. Oh. It was HBO. Mm-hmm. Um Well, that and,
3: one's called Big Love. But and that it, was
1: Big Love, Big the Love, HBO right. one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just I remember watching one or two episodes and thinking just too very <laughs> yeah. strange for me. Just just yeah. just too very strange for me. But if that's if that is your heart's desire to have multiple spouses, well Okay, if you decide that that's really what you're all about, you can move to Utah, and pretty soon I think it's going to be okay. This is Jeff Wagner.
4: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: If you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I am, I am a supporter of police chases. You know, what happened in Milwaukee is under, the, under Ed Flynn... At the behest of the mayor, Milwaukee police decided essentially that they went five or six years without chasing bad guys. And that led to complete and total chaos on the streets because the word got out. You you just run from the cops and nobody's going to chase you. So you could have somebody driving 80 miles an hour, blows through a red light, almost hits a pedestrian. All right. Police have to let them go. You had roving and rolling drug houses. That was the idea. Why? Why sell drugs out of a house? where it could be subject to a search warrant. Let's just sell drugs out of the car. If a police officer tries to pull us over, we're going to take off. We're going to drive away. And it was just, in my opinion, it was a disastrous policy. Now, I understand they implemented it because they didn't want people to they, – they, they didn't want innocent citizens or police officers to get hit and killed and injured during the chases. But the the flip side was – we're just going to let these criminals drive away. And I'm not sure it necessarily made anything any safer because if you got somebody driving 90 miles an hour blowing through a red light, what's to say that they're more dangerous because you're trying to chase them than they are anyways? So I'm a big believer in chases. I think you have to be smart about it. I don't think you do it all the time if you're going to endanger, you know, innocent civilians unreasonably or the police officers. But I think you should do it. The question becomes, How do you go about doing it? Which brings me to the pits. And uh, Fox 6 News had a story about this. Pits means pursuit intervention technique. The way this works is a pit maneuver is is a pursuit tactic, pursuit intervention technique. What officers do is, is rather than, like driving 90 miles an hour and following a car, hoping that it's either going to pull over or it's going to drive into a a concrete embankment. Pits is something that officers do by taking the front quarter of their car, their squad car, and kind of banging into the back quarter of the car they're chasing and then steering into the escaping vehicle. So that's kind of the pit maneuver. You're trying to take out the car. You're trying to disable the car it's it's a technique that is effective in many cases but not exclusively but it's a technique that involves first of all the police knowing what they're doing and secondly it involves a degree of of risk because you're not really ramming another car but you're trying to uh, spin the car out now um in our area there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are nine communities that allow officers to use this maneuver if they've been trained. And then there's lots of communities that don't. Bayside, Cudahy, Fox Point, Hales Corners, Oak Creek, River Hills, South Milwaukee, Wauwatosa, West Milwaukee, Whitefish Bay, and the Milwaukee Police Department do not allow officers any, under any circumstances to try to disable cars in this fashion. They let them go, they'll chase them, and they'll hope that they're able to catch them. Maybe they'll put down stop sticks, but they don't allow this pursuit intervention technique. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And there's a couple arguments against this. First of all, hey, it, it's a little bit more dangerous to try to do this. And secondly, there, there's the cost element. I mean, if you're, admittedly, you're driving a thirty or $40,000 police car and you're banging into somebody you're trying to chase, you're going to cause damage to that car. So let's tee this up. All right. Should more communities consider doing this or at least giving op- officers the option to do it in an effort to try to end police chases sooner, thereby reducing the risk, say, to other people that are out on the roads? My answer is, is yeah. I think we should be training all our officers as to how to do this, and then I think we should give them the ability to do this technique in order to say, okay, we're going to try to avoid getting involved in a 20-mile chase at high speeds. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should we adopt the pits? We discuss in just a moment. (laughs) 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, Todd in Greenfield. Todd, good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon, thanks for taking my call.
1: Sure, okay, should, should police officers be allowed to do this, use this pit maneuver?
0: I'm kind of surprised that they can't. I thought that they all could, to be honest with you. Nope. When you look at a police chase, I just wanted to point something out. The longer a police chase is allowed to go on, it looks like more and more squad cars get involved. Then the risk goes up for anybody, not you know innocent people, and the extra cop cars getting injured. Right. What What's the cost? What's What's the cost comparison to medical bills to a body shop repair?
1: Right. You know that can't be. Right, you want. I mean, thanks for calling. You want to get the bad guys off the street. Now, interesting, Todd. You're calling from Greenfield. Greenfield is the police department that, at least in in our immediate area, has used this procedure the most. 2018 to 2019, according to the numbers I'm looking at, they've had a total of 141 police pursuits, and they've used the the pit maneuver. Or you bang into the back of the car, essentially. They've used it 34 times. Story that Fox 6 had, they used it once last fall. They were performing, they're chasing a van full of suspects, wanted wanted in a string of retail thefts in three states. The fleeing van flipped onto its roof and struck a highway light pole after the, the pit maneuver being implemented. But you know what? They caught the people. And it resulted in four people being accused of stealing more than $1 million worth of merchandise. Now, just because you do it doesn't mean it's always going to work. And that's true. Sometimes you're not able to execute it properly, and there is a danger. You can't do it all the time. You need the right opportunity. But why we don't do it, and if the justification is, well, we're afraid it might cause some damage to the squad car. I mean, give me a break. I mean, if you've got somebody that's fleeing at a high rate of speed, you, you know, you want to catch them. There is a reason why they are running. Okay, maybe like in the case in Greenfield, there are people that have stolen part of a giant interstate theft ring that has stolen more than a million dollars in property. Maybe they got a body in the trunk. Maybe it's a rolling drug house. Whatever. We have to give law enforcement, at least in my opinion, enough ability to use all the tools at their, you know, at their disposal. Now, that's not saying just because you're trained in doing this maneuver that it automatically means you're going to do it all the time. Of, of course not. Just like, you know, it's not saying that just because you have the right and the authority to chase somebody that you're going to do it all the time. Sometimes you just have to let them go and you have to say, okay, we're going to get them tomorrow. But I, th- this idea that we're not going to train the cops in this maneuver and that we're not going to allow the police to do this maneuver. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Give them the ability to do this. Give them the ability to try to catch people. And then, I mean, trust them, trust them to try to implement this. And yet, in the city of Milwaukee, we we don't do that. Where the most chases have been, city of Milwaukee, 2018 to 2019, 1,795 pursuits. Um, They've never... They're not allowed to execute this procedure. Now, there's other things you can do. You can try to put down stop sticks and stuff like that, but it's just not as effective. To me, it's the pits, it works, and we should be allowing local law enforcement to do it. All right, when we come back after the news, hey, buddy, you got a dime? Stick around.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios
1: at Historic
0: Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, I mentioned this earlier. If you're looking to uh, get yourself a fish fry and support a good cause, join me tonight. Fairways of Woodside in, uh, that's in Sussex, it's a, it's a golf course, um, part of a uh, fish fry for a cause. And people I know are involved in raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and a portion of all the proceeds from the fish fries get donated to the cause. And I think the after if you make a donation, I believe a fifty dollars, they'll let you, they'll give you a, a coupon for a round of golf. And there's going to be raffles. I know uh, my wife has been involved in helping you know, raise get get items that are going to be subject to the raffle. So if you happen to be out there and you're in the area, Sussex this afternoon. This evening 5 to 9 p.m. I will be there fish fry for a cause fairways of Woodside. All right. I do not understand why we allow people to stand in the middle of the road and beg money. And yet. There is controversy over this. You remember what about a week, week and a half ago, there was the unfortunate situation of a guy who was standing in a median strip panhandling on St. Paul Avenue, kind of right by where you go over the, the bridge to go down to Canal Street and go to Pottawatomie. What happened is you had a guy who was drunk and drugged you know, who was in a car coming down that hill. The man was, I think, panhandling. He had his back turned, ended up getting hit and killed. And and again, it takes nothing. I mean, you had the, the driver who was drunk and drugged and were drugged, I think probably both. Okay, so he's responsible for this. But at the same time, if you didn't have somebody standing in a median strip panhandling, the person would not have been in the position to get hit. Now, again, I the, the person, I'm not not blaming the victim in this case. I'm just saying it. it's amazing to me that this does not happen more. Now, in the city of Milwaukee, they do have an ordinance which prohibits loitering standing on, on the median strips. Unfortunately, it's it's not vigorously enforced. We have, right outside our studios, Capitol Drive and Humboldt, there is a woman who routinely and regularly in the afternoon stands with a sign, trying to beg money, stands on, on the corner of Capitol and, and Humboldt. And it, it's a narrow little median strip area. And, and candidly, it's just, to me, it's a miracle that, that something bad hasn't happened because, again, you've got these cars that are making the left turns. If anybody were to actually stop and try to give her money, well, all right, there's a good chance that you're going to get rear-ended, all those type of things. And, and again, it's I appreciate that the Milwaukee police have all sorts of stuff to do, but, but it's a dangerous practice. And when you see people doing it, I think they should stop it. Now, I bring this up because Wauwatosa is considering a new ordinance on panhandling. Wauwatosa used to have an ordinance that prohibited um, aggressive panhandling. They did away with it a number of years ago when the ACLU threatened to sue them. Say, okay, this this policy, it's unconstitutional, boom. So they they did away with the ordinance. They are considering bringing it back in a way. What they are considering doing is adopting an ordinance that I think would be similar to the way Milwaukee's operates, which essentially would say that you cannot – you cannot stand and solicit things in any of the city and, city's median strips. Now, this means it's got to be, to pass the to pass constitutional muster, it's got to be, what do we say, content neutral, which means panhandlers couldn't do it, but you'd also uh, prohibit, I don't know, the firefighters over Labor Day from standing in the median strips with the boots collecting money. Um, It would prohibit, you know, people selling bottled water or something on the median strips. It would say you can't stand on the median strips and solicit things, try to sell things, etc. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not only do I think Wauwatosa should adopt this, I think every community should adopt it, and I think the city of Milwaukee should be more aggressive in enforcing its ordinances. It is a huge danger, at least in my opinion, to allow people to stand in median strips and either sell stuff or solicit Money. Nothing good comes of it. Now, I, I, I'm and again, I am amazed that more people aren't injured. I would be curious to see whether there are any numbers of cars that are involved in accidents, again, because you're not anticipating that some car is going to stop to maybe you know, buy a bottle of water or give somebody who's bumming money, give them the money. There's all sorts of ways that you can go and, I don't know, sell products and beg money. But standing on a median strip, at least in my opinion, is not one of them. And my guess is you have probably seen all sorts of near misses when you come into contact with this. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should the community stop people from standing in median strips and either selling stuff or begging for money my answer is not just yes but heck yes what do you think 855-616-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line we discuss in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on
0: back to take your calls
1: here's wtmj's jeff wagner 855-616-1620 let's start with chris in cedarburg hi chris Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, panhandling on the median strip. I don't understand why we allow it.
4: I agree completely. I mean, first of all, most of the people look kind of sketchy, and then you know you don't understand. You know, you may they may have a mental state, or they just it's just not a a a good situation. And also, you know, they may get hit. They may step into traffic, and it's just there's no place for them there. Well, well, programs.
1: it's just terrible. Well, yeah, exactly. And see that I mean the the, the median strip. Crossing a road, it is not there for people to stand on and, and wave signs or beg money or sell bottled water. I mean, that that's not the purpose of it. You have sidewalks and other places, you know, that you can go do that in. Now, I, I think panhandling as a general rule, you know, has an impact on, you know, quality of life. But I don't even want to get into that. You shouldn't be able to stand in the road and do anything. It's a recipe for disaster. No.
4: Right, and that middle strip is there for you before you, if you're going to have an accident, go into oncoming traffic. Right. So it's there to prevent you from doing that. And then now if you're going to be dodging people and signs and collectibles and everything else, it's just, it's not safe
2: for the for.
1: You or the panhandler? No, I, I th- thanks for call, and of course you saw that. Thanks for the call, Chris. And, and of course we, we saw that, like I say, a week ago, where you have the guy who's panhandling. And if 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 you know the area I'm talking about, right on St. Paul, there, right before you go over the bridge, you know that there's all that's a that's a big spot that panhandlers like to hang out at because you've got the cars that are coming off the freeway. There's a stoplight there. I, I think maybe they figure all right, people maybe they have money because they're heading down to Potawatomi or, or whatever. So you had somebody that was in that general area with his back turned and again I'm not I'm not criticizing the victim other than the victim was in the wrong place at the wrong time but he shouldn't have been panhandling now it doesn't excuse the the drunk drug driver that lost control of, of the car and hit the guy from behind but but these are the type of things that can happen and my guess is it happens maybe not the deaths But my guess is from a property damage perspective or a minor injury perspective, it it probably happens more than we hear about. Because, I mean, I can just imagine a situation. Somebody, I don't know, slows down or stops because they decide they want to give money to the person standing in the median strip. The person driving behind them has no clue that somebody in front of them is going to stop when they have the right-of-way. And boom, then you have rear-end accidents and things of the like. The middle of the street is not the spot to be begging money, and I guess that's not necessarily the most incisive thing that I've ever said, but it's certainly true. Let's talk to Janet in Wauwatosa. Janet, this is your neck of the woods.
5: Yeah, it is, Um, and I agree 100% with you. I am literally driving down Highway 100 and North Avenue just now, Yep. and like I told your screener, there's always a guy in a, a, a He's holding a dirty old flag. He says he's a veteran, and he's been there four months, and yeah. I mean many months. And um, I had called one time and told the Wauwatosa police that I almost got rear-ended because I had to stop because a car in front of me stopped yep. and let them know about it. And Wauwatosa's answer to me was, "We don't have an ordinance against doing that." <laughs> and yeah, you love it. And then two other things real quick. In Greenfield, my sister lives in Greenfield, and they do have an ordinance, and they do call. Every time they see a panhandler, they call, the police come, and shoo them off. And the guy who sadly was injured or killed, I'm not certain, down by um, where Potawatomi is there, I so tall. call. Oh, well, that's killed. horrible. But here's the thing. Police go, there's a police station right down around the corner. And when I go down there to play bingo with my friends, I can't tell you how many times we go by there. They're begging there, if not on the next corner. Yep. And the police drive right by him and do nothing.
1: Yep. 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 And, and Milwaukee does have an ordinance. Now, you know, you're talking about Wauwatosa, and you're right. You, you hit some of the highlights. My understanding is there's a lot of this that goes on on North Avenue, and there's a lot of this that goes on on Highway 100, particularly like around Blue Mound. But, but the, the media Yes,
5: there's a lady who sits there every day. Every day. I go by that place twice a day for work. And every day you see the guy there on High 100 and North Avenue, and then you see the woman on Highway 100 and Blue Mountain in the center. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's right. Nothing good is going to come of this. Hey, hey thanks a lot for the call, no. Janet. I, I mean, I, I hope I hope your representatives are listening to this because th- this if we think okay, well, you know, we we, we want to help the unfortunate people and we don't want to crack down on panhandling. Well, what? Well, well, look, first of all. I don't think people should give money to panhandlers. That that's number 1, but you don't have to agree with me. I mean, if you want to give money to a soup kitchen or you want to donate money to I don't know a homeless shelter or something, that that's what we do. Because when you're giving money to the people that are out there bumming it, you don't know how that money's going to get used. But I don't want to have that debate. I don't don't want to have that debate. I, if if you want to give money to panhandlers, go with God, that's fine. But I just don't think that they should be in the middle of the street. On these median strips, because to the point that she was just making, it creates a, it creates a hazard. My guess is there's all sorts of automobile accidents that are there, and the worst case scenario, like I say, I, there's this woman that does this. Every afternoon when I leave here, or it seems to me it's every afternoon, and she's standing there and she's got the cardboard sign and stuff. It's a narrow little median strip, you know, right on the corner of Capitol and Humboldt. And I'm thinking, gosh, if some car stops to give her money, good chance it's going to be rear-ended. You've got lots of cars. One of the stoplights is out, so you never know exactly when you have the right to make the left turn or whatever it's been. Have you notice that, grew that stop sign. You you travel that way. That stop sign on the south side of the street, the stoplight. It hasn't worked for months. It just hasn't worked for months. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Okay, it's been. But out, yes, it's, it is an issue. It, it's been for the longest time. You go, huh? That's really interesting. That does maybe. I don't know. Does anybody drive by and look at this? Okay, this is a major intersection, and the stoplight is out.
5: If one other one goes out, and
1: sometimes it happens, then it just becomes the blinking red four way stop, and it's like two, like, you know, it's a four lane. It's a nightmare. Well, it, it, it is. is. dangerous. And, well, it, it, it is. And it's kind of like, okay, does, this is there like nobody in the city of Milwaukee that pays attention when like the, the lights go out? Well, okay. But, of course, so, so you got the, the light that doesn't work. You've got the panhandler sitting in this really narrow median strip as people are making left turns. Not sure whether they have the right of way or not because, as I mentioned, the light doesn't work. And, and I'm just thinking there, there's going to be accidents and you know somebody's going to get hurt. Maybe it's going to be the panhandler. You hope not. Yeah, yeah, but you hope it's not anybody else as well. I mean, just all right. Let's just start either, number one, enforcing the ordinances or in the case of Wauwatosa, at least give the police a chance to do something. Is that asking too much? I would say no. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So very glad to have you with us. This next story, I lump into the category of no good deed goes unpunished. Can you be a good Samaritan in 2020? Here is the story. A couple days ago, and this was, I mean, we were broadcasting this. I, I know the story. The The Greenfield Police Department had issued a, a report indicating that um, somebody had tried to lure a Maple Grove Elementary School student into a car. And they, you know, we're looking out for this. We're, we're trying to, you know, to, you know, put a stop. To we want to catch the person. Well, now we know the story. It was a good Samaritan. Here's the deal. The investigation began as there was a, a kid who, who was the other day trying to, you know, uh, on the way to school about 830 in the morning. Female student walking to school when a car approached her and the driver offered the girl a ride to school. The student refused. The driver said, look, it's cold outside. You sure you don't want to ride? The student ran into the school. This car did not follow. And it was, okay, we have somebody, this child enticement, this woman trying to lure the, the child into the car. Well, okay, Here here's the rest of the story. The Greenfield Police Department says, okay, well, here here's what happened. Um, the person who offered the child walking to school in the cold morning a ride was a well-intentioned neighborhood resident who offered the child, student a ride to school rather than having walk in the cold. Here's what the police department says. While the invitation was well-intended, it's a good opportunity to remind your children about the dangers of getting into cars with people they do not know. The student handled the situation perfectly by refusing to get into the car, getting to safety quickly, and alerting an adult as soon as they arrived at the school, etc., um, etc. Et you know, they go on to say, while. while. While we appreciate the driver's good intentions, we must also remain vigilant to the reality of the dangers that children can encounter. The child in this case did exactly what she was supposed to do. We applaud her for it. It is, and this is the statement, the sentence that I find interesting. The Greenfield police say, It is unfortunate, but the reality of our modern times is that the act of a good Samaritan can fall under such scrutiny." We as an agency will always err on the side of caution in these instances to protect our children, um etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Our number 855-616-1620. That's the Acadent Mortgage Talk and Text line. So here's what happens. You have a neighborhood resident who sees a kid walking to school. It's cold. Maybe she maybe she knows who the kid is, but apparently the child didn't necessarily know her and says, "Here," he stops and offers to give the child a ride. That then, the child refuses. She runs into school. She said, somebody tried to lure me into the car. And then, you know, you have this investigation that, that ensues. Now, it turns out, no criminal intent here. But I, I guess here's the, what I want to talk about with you. Are we at a point nowadays where you you just, you cannot be a good Samaritan anymore, right? Was the woman who offered the kid a ride, was she out of line? And, and should she have known better In 2020, than to stop and to try to offer the the kid a ride because innocent motives, guilty motives, it's all the same. Can you be a good Samaritan or is just the reality of of today such that, gee, I'd love to give the kid a ride. She looks like she's freezing, but I, I just I've got to drive on because if I try to stop People are going to think that I'm, I'm a child predator. I mean, have we really made an end? Is, is, is being a good Samaritan now simply impossible in today's day and age? Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have told this story before, so, so bear with me. A number of years ago, my, um, my, my late mom used to work for a dentist in the North Shore and she had worked for the the dent she had worked for the that and he's paul is still my dentist great dentist but but my mom worked at the dentist that paul started working for so i mean my mom had had known the guy who's now my dentist since since he started practicing dentistry he lived in the same general area where we lived i i knew paul i did not know his, his kids but i knew he had kids that were like in high school and stuff i lived in whitefish bay one day I'm driving down the road in front of Whitefish Bay High School, and it was like the end of of volleyball practice or soccer practice or something. And I see this young lady walking down the street, and she's wearing a jersey that has her name on the back of it, and it's got the same name as my my dentist. So I figure, hey, this is probably his daughter. You know, she's like walking home or something. I I wanted to stop. I really did. I wanted to stop, roll down the window, and and say, you know, would you like a ride? But I I knew – that in all likelihood, before I could explain, hey, I know your dad. You know, my mom works with your dad, etc. I'm afraid that this girl's going to be blowing some whistle and screaming that there's this, you know, middle-aged pervert that's trying to get me into the car. So I drove off. I, and it just, I and I've told that story before, but I, I mean, I just I drove off because I wanted I, I wanted to be the good Samaritan. I wanted to give her a ride, but I, I knew that that even. Even just making the offer, in all likelihood, was going to have the police at my doorstep, you know, an hour later. So, and she ended up walking home. 855-616-1620. That's the Acinet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I don't criticize anybody in connection with this. I guess I'm just observing that, isn't it kind of unfortunate, maybe, that we've come to this point that you, you can't try to do a, a good deed because... There are some bad people out there, and even if it's only one out of a thousand, this is what we have to teach people. It's what we have to teach the kids. Be afraid of of strangers because bad things can happen. But, you know, most of the times the reality is it's going to be well-intentioned people or just, hey, it's cold. I'm going to try to give you a ride. Karen downtown. Karen, you're first. Good afternoon.
2: Oh, good afternoon. I was listening, and I actually did this three weeks ago during a snowy day, I was coming home down Lisbon, east, and three little boys—they were eight, six, and ten—had um, missed their school bus. Was pulling off, and they were running. They had two blocks to go. I just pulled over and said, "Jump in! I'll either give you a ride to school or catch your bus." And I dropped them off at Cass Street School. And afterwards, I thought, "Well, maybe that was stupid," you know. <laughs> then I asked them, "Would you like my number to give to your mom so that she knows who gave you right. a ride?" Because of exactly that. And I kind of when I heard the story on the radio, I said, "I wonder if that was just someone trying to offer someone a ride, yeah. but nowadays you really don't know, and it's always better to err on the side of caution. I was shocked those three little boys just jumped right in my van well, and yeah, I took them to school
1: yeah but but just I mean, just Okay, uh, imagine Karen and, and and that's great that you did that, but I mean imagine possibly the downside there. you see some that's some exactly woman it. sees these three kids jumping into this van and and all you're trying yep. to do is help them get to school. Next thing you know, yep. you know somebody's taken down your license plate and there's an all points bulletin yep. for this woman who you know got these three well, little boys.
2: stand because unfortunately, people look for those bad people, look for those situations yeah. to do just that, and that's what's terrible. You know, I see kids walking alone sometimes, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, why is this kid walking by themselves?" Right. You know, it, anybody could just grab them.
1: Right. Exactly. And you're tempted to want to give them a ride, but um, there is that downside. No, thanks to call. I mean, see that, I, and, and that—that's kind of it. I—I I just drove on, but I, it was interesting. The story I was telling, I, I processed this whole thing in my mind, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I'd like to try to offer this this girl a ride. I have no illicit intentions at all, but. But it's just I got to drive on because the the downside is so great, and and I understand that. You know, nobody's wrong in this particular situation that happened the other day. But isn't it kind of unfortunate? Let's uh, let's see eight five five six one six one six twenty. Vaughn in Milwaukee, Von, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh,
5: good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, sir. So, I
5: have I have three daughters, and. If I ever put my child in a situation that a stranger would have to stop and offer them help, I would be more grateful than calling the cops or, you know what I mean, kid did nothing wrong. But I think it's horrible that we have primed our society so much that we worried about every time someone tried to do something nice. If the school was so close, why didn't the parent take the kid to school? And it's cold outside, you know what I mean? There's not enough busyness in our work life that we can't take our kids a few blocks up the street if the kid walks to school.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't I don't get it. That's horrible.
1: Yeah, and, and and then of course, then you, you we have to be so distrusting of people, and I understand why we are. I mean, but it's just I I don't know. May, maybe things never were like we kind of remember them. But I, I, I but, but again, I guess because you know we 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 were raising kids to be afraid of strangers, and I guess maybe that's maybe it's unfortunate that we have to do that. Okay. I guess maybe that's my point. No, th- thanks for calling mean, because you're you're trying to do the the right thing, and my guess is. Maybe you have been in exactly this, this situation, you know, you, and again, it, it's one thing maybe if, if you're known, if, if you know the kid, oh, that's, that's Laura from down the street and, you know, she knows who I am. Okay. That's a different scenario, but here it's, I mean, it is apparently it was kind of a stranger. The child didn't know who the, the, the person was even though it's it's somebody that's in the neighborhood but i mean i guess the answer is in today's day and age you do just have to you got to drive on because you could see what happened this lady no ill intentions at all she stops she wants to give the kid a ride and next thing you know you got an all points bulletin out because they're afraid that you might have been out there trying to grab kids paul in west Dallas. paul you're on wtmj how you doing real well thank you what do you think
5: I've had a situation, it's Girl Scout cookie season right now. A couple years back, in a grocery store lobby, the Girl Scouts and some of their mothers have the table set up and they're selling these boxes of cookies outside of the door-to-door sales. Well, as I approached and smiling, I'm a 58-year-old male, and as I approached smiling and saying hi to the kids, what kind of eyes and looks do you think I was getting from their mothers?
1: Oh, you're this pervert who's out to to try to do something to to the little girls, yeah.
5: Yes. And it's I haven't approached, you know, children selling things like that since just because of that. And it's really not fair well, trying to have an act of kindness turns into this.
1: Well, it, it is. Now, thanks. I mean, it, it is that kind of it, it is that sort of situation like, you know, and especially I, I think there's somewhat different standards between men and, and women. But OK, so let's you're, you're, you're in the, the supermarket. Aisle, and you're walking down the cookie aisle or something, and you see some unattended, like five or six year old, and you smile at them. And, and I know exactly what you mean. You, you, you know, you kind of like smile at them because they're kind of looking at you. You're, you're always thinking in the back of your mind, okay, the mom is going to come around the, the corner and she's going to see you, you know, well, hi, how are you or whatever, and she's going to think you're some pervert that's out there trying to grab the kid. And, and all you're trying to do is like, oh, the kid smiled at me, I'm, I'm smiling back. Especially from a male perspective, I think maybe there's a little more wiggle room. If, you know, if, if you're a female and, and I, I I understand why we're like this, I, I get it. I, I get it. But I think it's kind of sad in a way. Kathy and Racine. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Kathy.
4: This happened to my dad. Uh, mid-90s, my dad was going down by the lake. He had chemotherapy and he would go down and <sighs> probably puke his guts up. but he was going down by the lake. And he was following a school bus going through the downtown area, and the, the bus deliberately took off. There was kids from, like, two or three blocks down. And my dad pulled up and said, hey, kid, I'll, I'll take you if you don't mind. And sure. He said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So my dad took them, dropped them off. He said, oh, let me off here, let me off here. They were about a block away from Starbucks. And the next day, uh, my dad told me when I came home from work what happened. I read it in paper that yeah. some old guy picked <laughs> up this kid and tried to molest him. Right. I, oh dad right and my dad turned himself in and the police department says why the heck did you do this
3: right why did you she pick up the kid and says,
4: yep yeah and my dad said i it was cold out it was horrible and never ever did it ever enter his mind this would happen
1: right right no it, it's no thank i mean that's it, that see that's that that's the that's the downside and, and look and this is this is the object lesson of this segment, and it's you know something that might have been viewed as a is a good Samaritan. I see that person by the side of the road; they're cold. I'm gonna, I'm going to I'm going to give them a lift. Okay, something that that maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago or whatever you you would do without a second thought. You think, hey, I'm I'm being a nice guy here. You can't do it anymore, especially when it comes to children. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: So, Rusty, it is okay to laugh. I that I think you and I both both did. think tomorrow is supposed to be the first spring training exhibition mm-hmm. baseball game, um, the problem, and I, I thought. Greg Matzik's taped report during your newscast was sort of the master of understatement because (laughs) um, the, I I mean, I've been hearing this earlier on because there is apparently a 100% chance a one hundred percent chance of rain tomorrow, which has some of us scrambling behind the scenes to figure out you know, how, how how they're going to cover that. But then, what was the end of Matt Six's report? He said, "Well, this might be a little bit, my word, not his problematic because there's like a flash flood warning or something." For apparently, the- <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking it up here, and apparently, they're expecting over a half inch of rain in Phoenix, Arizona, tomorrow, which. Right and there's nowhere for the rain to go. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So okay, so we're we're hoping to have baseball but it, you know and of course that uh, unlike opening day when you didn't have a roof at Miller Park they want to play opening day if it's raining and nasty for a spring training game it ain't going to happen. Oh no, they'll they'll cancel it. We'll see it tomorrow for the next game. Right. So we it hasn't happened yet but flash flood warning and 100% chance of rain. So, you know, the the return of ...of baseball might just... I'm saying might. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, because sometimes, as we know, these weather guys end up getting it wrong, but when you do hear flash flood <laughs> warnings and 100% <laughs> chance of rain, it's kind of like, ah, they probably know what they're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so stay tuned. We will continue to keep you posted. All right, Gru, are you a fish fry boy? Oh, I love fish fry. You love fish fries. I love fish fries as well. Okay, first of all, before we get into the topic, which is related to fish fries, one, one final plug... If you happen to be out in the Sussex area th- this evening, you can join me. Um, my, my family has been involved in this larger effort in connection with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society um, to, to raise money. It, it's part of this ongoing thing. A lot of high school kids across the area are involved in, in doing this. And one of the uh, events that, that, for example, my wife's granddaughter is putting on with a number of other people as well is this, this fish ride. It's going to be at the Fairways of Woodside, which is a golf course in Sussex and a portion of the proceeds from every fish fry goes to the the leukemia and lymphoma society and apparently there's also if you donate 50 bucks they'll they will give you a a free a certificate good for a free round of golf and i know there's going to be raffles and things like that i'm going to be there from five until nine or maybe a little bit after five until nine so if you're looking for a place to go and grab a fish fry and you happen to be in the sussex area stop off help uh, get yourself some good food and support a wonderful cause all right so i am a fish fry. to me fish fries are excuses to eat tartar sauce and that in and of itself is great but it's got to be good tartar sauce okay so Gru, you're a fish fry guy what what is your favorite type of fish for the fish fry uh so well i'm, I'm just a classic uh just, cod. i like the cod i do have a soft spot for smelt and and that's just comes from my mother. Yeah. Uh, no other reason. <laughs> yeah, I I, I'm, not a, I'm not a smelt guy, but okay. But I but, think people that's that's the normal reaction.
0: Uh, if you, you learn that you just eat tiny, tiny fish whole, uh, it doesn't sound very appetizing
1: to most people, right? But uh, but but so uh, essentially, you you go to a fish fry and you're you're going to be going the cod route. Yeah, but I'm open to pretty much everything. Yeah, okay. So. Well, yeah, me, me too. I but but here's the interesting thing. I am a perch guy. I mean I, I I like cod, I like Haddock, you know, I, I like, you know, walleye and whitefish and stuff like that. But but all things being equal, I am a perch guy. Uh, now one of the things that I have been noticing over the course of the last I would say month or so when I've gone out to fish fries, you can't get perch. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that's the common case at, at Lakefront. Yeah, I mean it, it's become too expensive for right. people. Right, so. you ca- you cannot get perched. now. This is going to become even more of an issue because we, you've got Lent coming up. You know, um, you know, Mardi Gras is, is Tuesday. That's and then Lent starts next Wednesday. And um, for me, it doesn't have to be Lent for me to eat fish fries on on Friday or Wednesday or any time. But for a lot of people, you know, they they still follow the tradition, especially during Lent, that you're only going to eat fish on Friday. So I, I bring this up because there's already been. A shortage of perch and there's a really interesting story posted on js online as to why why this is and what they are finding is the type of perch that we get around here it, it's yellow perch and a lot of it comes from canada and what's happened is about 90 percent of yellow perch comes from lake erie uh, near the Canadian side of of the border, and here's what's happening: Canada has number one limited the number of perch commercial limited number of perch that commercial fishermen can catch in order to allow for more opportunities for sportsmen. So that's number one. Blame Canada for that. In addition, the problem is that the walleye are eating the perch. Um and this is what the J- Journal Central story says. You know, walleye has become popular with pe- people who fish recreationally. And so, um Canada has allowed this to grow because people, you know, want to go fish for walleye. Well, what's happened is there's so many walleye that they've they've decimated the smelt population. So the walleye are they've they've already started eating your smelt and now they're moving on to the next food source, which is um, perch. So you, you've got both of these things, you know, you know, going on, and from time to time, you've also got some other dead zones in Lake Erie. There's all sorts of factors, but but perch is becoming much more difficult to get. At least the the yellow perch that we are used to. So what's happening is some restaurants are, well, there there there's this thing called European perch, which is zander, um, and so it, it's. it it, it's not perch i mean about i mean technically it might be perch but it's it's a less expensive fish that comes from like poland or or russia um it comes to the u.s frozen and it's nowhere near as good as yellow perch yeah some restaurants are moving on to bluegills too right you got you got bluegills but i mean whitefish is now the big thing and walleye are the big thing but you know as we as we move on it's tougher and tougher to get perch. Matter of fact, where were we? We were we were somewhere the other night and they just they, they flat out said we don't have perch. There was another restaurant I was at about a week and a half ago that had perch but it was it was market price. I mean it was extremely expensive and I went ahead and had it, but I think, you know, I, I I'm not sure I would do it again. But I really love perch, but it, it's just more difficult to get. All right, that is the background. We are moving into Lent. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acendant Mortgage Talk and Text line. Let's have a little bit of fun on a Friday afternoon. All right, it, it's it's your Lent is coming on. Fish fry season is here. All right, what what is the type of fish that you go for when it comes to the fish fries and? Are you like me to be really, really, really bummed out over the fact that it's going to be extremely difficult, not just over the next couple of weeks, but you read some of these stories over the next couple of years, it is going to apparently be very difficult to get the kind of perch that. All of us grew up with 855-616-1620. That's the Academic mortgage talk and text line. And for guys like me who are perch guys, what is the best alternative if it is offered? Because candidly, when it comes to getting perch, I'm going to have to get used to disappointment. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Academic mortgage talk and text line. Let's talk fish fries the week before Lent. Back with your calls in just a minute. If you can't get perch, what's plan B?
0: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. If you're just tuning in, okay, Lent starts next week. If you live in Wisconsin, chances are you're a fish fry guy or a gal. I happen to be a perch guy. And the problem is there is an extreme sur- shortage of, of yellow perch, what we're used to eating. It looks like it's going to be that way for a couple years. Lots of restaurants are already stopping serving it. And if they do serve it, the prices are jacked up. I'm afraid we're going to have to go to Plan B, 855-616-1620. What is that for you? Let's start with Tom in Hartland. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I'm in Hartford. Uh, Jeff, it's Hartford. Hi, Tom. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm like you. I like perch, but uh, where I go, I'll be going tonight, not too far from where you're at, they're good, You're going to be at. Uh, I like bluegill.
1: Bluegill, yeah.
0: Bluegill, bluegill cotton, walleye that uh, this place has. And I, I, I favor bluegill uh, mm-hmm. my way and you know. all.
1: Yeah, the problem is, you know, you can't find bluegill. In a, a lot of places don't have bluegill. They might have some of the other stuff, but bluegill is kind of hard to find.
0: No, not too not too much here. I mean right. they got it all the
1: time on all you know right. thing. Right, great. Okay, well that works. Okay. Thanks. for calling. Um eight five five six one six one six twenty. What what is the option and the alternative? Um Jeff, you're breaking my heart. I'll be back visiting family next week. I've been looking forward to getting some fried perch um. Uh, You just never see him out. He's in Washington State. You never see him out in this part of the country. I guess walleye will have to be it. Love the show as always. Thanks for keeping connected. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's part of the problem and the issue that's out there. I mean, if you love Perch, and I've been seeing this coming, there's just... It's, it's just, you're not going to be able to find it. I blame Canada. Okay, let's go to the text. We're being swamped. I actually prefer walleye for fish fries. This is no worry for me. Walleye is the best. Jeff, it has to be perch. The shortage sucks. Bluegill are my second choice, but a lot of places don't have bluegill either. Yeah, that, I mean, I see it sometimes, but just not a lot, Jeff, if I can't get perch, then I'll either opt for walleye or bluegill. Bluegill is really good also, um, but if we end up even further short on perch, I'm going to be just as sad as you are. Jeff, I really like cod, but walleye is my favorite if it's not too expensive. My best friend, he's a walleye guy. You know, even when you got perch, he'll, he'll end up going with walleye a lot of times. Again, as long as you got a good tartar sauce, you can pretty much live with, um, everything. Uh, let's see. Dot, 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 As we're kind of going through the text, kind of funny looking at what people are talking about. Um, again, walleye is delicious, tastes very much like perch, and people giving me some recommendations as the places to go. Another person says, hey, the restaurant I go into Waukesha, it, it has, it has perch. And, and like I say, yeah, you can still find perch, but, it's it's expensive, and a lot of places don't have it. Jeff, have they invented impossible perch yet? Uh, yeah, they they probably have, and and maybe it's maybe it's that Xander stuff. Let's talk to Darlene. Darlene, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Although I'm bummed out that I'm going to have trouble getting perch.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, don't fret. I mean, there are other options out there. I mean, if you don't if you like perch, you're a perch guy, but um I live in northeastern Wisconsin, right. where borders Michigan border. I actually live in Manomin, Michigan, and we have we have lots of perch there. We can go out and catch them in the river in the in the Bay of Green Bay. So we're kind of lucky in that respect. But you know, salmon is uh, always a plentiful and very good option to have too. Salmon you know, when for, you go out for a fish salmon.
1: fry. But how about for a fish fry? How does salmon do? For I, I'm not sure I've ever had fried well, salmon.
2: Well, no, I've never had fried salmon, but I'm just saying for oh. a for an alternative um a lot of it some people in my area have Pollock, but Pollock is really uh, They say it's just more like a bait in Alaska, so probably <laughs> you know it's a cheap choice, but not a real good choice
1: yeah't you know, think always the best yeah, I don't think yeah, I'm a ahead. Pollock guy no I don't think i I don't think no. I'm a Pollock guy and I'm not a Xander guy. I think no i <laughs> i see i don't mind I don't mind cod, I don't mind haddock i mean mm-hmm. it it's 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 fine but boy I, I tell you I just just a, a nice a nice fried perch that there's just nothing better than that for me pan fried yeah, perch that's, that's, I love it. it Yeah
2: Yeah I'll have to agree with you on that one Well have a good weekend Thanks Jeff. as
1: well you you as well Darlene Yeah you now, now, she lives in an area where you can actually go out and um you know you, you go out and you can actually fish and you can get it my you know bluegills my late wife's father who passed away a number of years ago as well he used to um he used to fish somewhere for bluegills, and he would he would bring them home and he would make them fresh. And they were always they were all, that it was always kind of a delicacy to me. The key is it's it's got to be fresh. So like when I hear okay, well if you if you see perch on the menu, um, all right, is it the real perch or is it going to be like that that frozen stuff that they end up flying in from from Poland? No offense to Poland, but that's I, I want stuff that's I want stuff that's fresh, not stuff that's come out of the freezer. In any event. Um, if you're getting ready for your Friday fish fry tonight or you're thinking, hey, okay, Lent is coming up. I'm going to be all set for the fish fry. Just, just be a little careful because the perch we were able to get for years and years, you might not be able to get it anymore. You're listening to Jack Wagner on WTMJ. I don't know what you do about this. But it is it is a big deal. The uh, the story that's in the New York Times and the Washington Post today. All the headlines are uh, senior intelligence officials telling Congress that that they're getting indications that Russia wants to screw around in our elections again, and they're trying to do it in perhaps some more sophisticated ways of you know doing it through like a, uh, websites in Iran, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the story is that President Trump is unhappy that this information is being conveyed and is now public, um, because, you know, he thinks it reflects badly on him. You know, I, here is my frustration. It is, and I don't care, I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a conservative or a liberal or moderate, whatever. I, the, the idea that you have foreign governments who are trying to mess around in our election, is isn 't is a big deal I mean it is a factor the problem and i 'm not talking about you know efforts cyber attacks to you know hack into computer systems and and things like that and alter election results i 'm talking about disinformation campaigns you know which because of of the world wide web so what happens is you 've got some Russians that set up uh, their their own Website trying to advance the interest of candidate X, and they they make it look like it's a website in Manhattan, Kansas, and instead it's something that's the content is being generated by the Russians and it's coming from Iran or or whatever. And and that's I mean that's the type of stuff that I think is very very insidious. The problem is that there's limits as to what you can do to stop that. I mean that that's just the reality. And it it's one of the dark sides of of the internet since Al Gore invented it. You know, there there's many great things that we do on the internet, but part of it is there's so much information out there that you don't know what valid information is and you don't know where the information is coming from. And unfortunately people on all sides of the aisle politically um they they read stuff and they read it in an uncritical sort of fashion. So I I think I candidly think the president, rather than being upset with reports that Russia may be, Russia may be trying to meddle again, would, would do everybody a, a service by saying, you know, th- this is it is unacceptable. I don't want, you know, I don't want to be elected and have this reelected and have this taint over the presidency again. That you know it was because of you know Russian involvement. I, I think you know this is one of these deals where. Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, everybody should agree it's not a good thing and, you know, to the extent you can identify it. And that's what the problem is. You know, we should call it out and to the extent that there's websites that are promoting these things, those should be identified. That that's it. It's the transparency that we need to make the election work.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: This is one of the undercovered political stories. Now the big political story this week in the presidential campaign was the stunning underperformance of former New York City mayor Michael Bloomberg at at the first debate that he participated in. Bloomberg has spent over 400 million M as in million dollars in advertising in various states kind of created this image and, and he I mean he, he was just again just a hot mess on the debate stage, you know, two nights ago. And I guess I admit I was a little bit surprised because, you know, Bloomberg, as I said yesterday, came up in the rough-and-tumble world of of New York politics. And I, I guess I figured him to be... I don't know, sort of like a clone of Donald Trump. Because here, here's the bottom line. I mean, say what you want about President Trump one way or the other. I mean, President Trump, he thrives in these debate situations. He's constantly on the attack. He's not going to be put on the defensive. He, he just That's just not the way Trump operates. Maybe that's a plus, maybe it's a negative, but it's not. What happened uh, to Bloomberg the other night was predictable. He he was starting to surge in the polls, and you had all the other candidates ganging up and going after him. And he looked very, very defensive. He did a terrible job. There's a big story in the New York Times today. A lot of his advisors are trying to figure out why why he was as bad as he was because they said he prepped. They said they knew this was coming. The attacks he was getting about his support for things like stop and frisk and the attacks he was getting for lawsuits that women had filed against him over the years – these were not. Un- it wasn't like, gee, this came out of left field. This was a complete surprise. Apparently, you know, they, they they prepped him on all this and he still just, you know, was one giant mound of flop sweat. And I guess the question becomes, you know, when they debate again next, I believe, Tuesday in South Carolina, is that is it going to change the dynamic at all? Or has Bloomberg, despite. You know, having more money than God has it is kind of established that he's not going to be ready for prime time, which is why I said the big winner yesterday or two days ago was was uh, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, Uh, Bernie Sanders from the perspective of he, he continues to have a plural, plurality of votes. He's got about 30% of, of the the Democrat primary voters. And as long as you've got a field of five or six or seven people that are out there splitting the rest of the vote, he's he's just gonna roll along. Well, in any event, you've got caucuses tomorrow, a caucus tomorrow in Nevada. Sanders will probably win that. Then you've got the South Carolina primary Which may be the last stand for Joe Biden. But here's the big deal. It's going to be March 3rd and it's going to be what they call Super Tuesday. On March 3rd, which is coming up pretty darn quick, there will be primaries in multiple states. We'll go through that in just a minute. But more than one third of all the delegates for the Democratic National Convention, more than one third are going to be um, up for grabs on Super Tuesday. All right. Um, so, you know, what are the states that, that have these various primaries? Well, you, you've got them, again, all over the country. Um, and they include, I mean, there there are primaries from California to Maine. Fourteen different states will hold nominating contests. There's big states. Like California and Texas, there's um, California, Texas, you've got Maine, you've got Oklahoma, you've got Colorado, you've got North Carolina, you've got Virginia. The list kind of goes on and on about the different states that are going to be Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, um, Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, um, all are these places that are going to be deciding, Uh, Minnesota. So you're going to have this all over the country, and a third of the delegates are going to be decided. Now, why do I bring this up? Because if you're going up until now, you've had one state at a time. Okay, let's focus on Iowa. Let's, then, okay, Iowa's done, let's focus on New Hampshire. Okay, New Hampshire's done, now we go to Nevada, then we go to South Carolina. It's been one state at a time. This is a test of a candidate's national Appeal, You know, you you can, you know, you sit in Iowa for the better part of a year, you can build up an organizational structure. You're in New Hampshire for the better part of of a year. But now you, you can't do that. You've got to spread yourself around the country. And here's the really, really interesting thing, which I think is going to winnow a lot of people out after Super Tuesday and is not good news for a number of the candidates. And that's that most of these campaigns just don't have any money and it's kind of it's kind of staggering now bernie sanders um who is is the hot candidate right now he's got he's got about 17 million dollars in in the bank so he's got that elizabeth warren and amy klubuchar um combined they have put less than two million dollars into super tuesday ads um Almost nobody outside of Bernie Sanders, or um, again Bloomberg, ha- have spent money advertising in these various states. and And, and you might say, okay, well, you just said that you know Warren has a couple million dollars. Okay, you can spend a couple million dollars, you know, running just a handful of ads in California, where you've got this incredibly expensive media market. Um, neither Vice President Joe Biden or Mayor Pete Buttigieg has invested in a single Super Tuesday commercial as of last night. So they're just not advertising. So what you're going to see as we move forward, you've got, you know, um, you're going to have Sanders, who's got a lot of money. And you're going to have again Bloomberg, who's got a lot of money, but you know nobody else ha- has much at all. Biden has just over seven million dollars in the bank, and you say just just seven million? What are you talking about, Jeff? Well, like I say, you you look at some of these states that are there and how much it costs to advertise. Seven million dollars doesn't get you hardly anything, believe it or not, if you're trying to advertise in California. Buddha Judge has less than seven million. Klubachar has less than three million. I mean they just just don't have any money. Elizabeth Warren, very, very little money as well. So you can get the what they call the earned media. You can get the free publicity. But at the same time, if you don't have money, you're, it's going to be difficult to be in the game. So I, I understand that we're all talking about Bloomberg's performance at the debate, et etc. et cetera. Bottom line is, nothing's going to really shake out until after Super Tuesday. But if you look at this map of the country, you look at all the different states that are going to be voting, it tells me that the only two candidates who are really in a position to actively campaign and be competitive in at least the majority of these states, it's going to be Bernie Sanders and it's going to be Michael Bloomberg. Don't be surprised if, again, assuming guys like Biden or Warren or Klubachar. or or Buttigieg are still, are still viable by Super Tuesday, my guess is after Super Tuesday, it's going to be over for most of them, or at least all over but the shouting. So uh, if you're making predictions, hold off until after Super Tuesday. But again, the staggering number is how little money that most of the candidates outside of Sanders and, of course, Bloomberg have. And you can argue that there's too much influence of money in politics, and and maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong about that. But if you don't have enough money to compete, well, you're not going to compete. And it looks like there's nobody that has enough money to compete right now except Sanders and Bloomberg.